This is Ethan and I'm here with Dave and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 115 Inch. On this week's episode, it's part two of our interview with the special effects legend Kevin Yeager, the man behind such icons as the Chucky Doll, the Crypt Keeper, and Weird Al's iconic fat costume. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al it's a podcast about Weird Al. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Welcome to episode 115 inch, Dave. Thank you, Ethan. I'm so very excited to get to the second half of our interview with Kevin Yeager. But. First, we have some really exciting news to talk about. Well, that sounds just dandy because conveniently, it's time for This Week in Weird Al Related News! Alright, we mentioned it before, but the day is almost here. This Saturday, July 17th, is yet another record store day, and it will feature the very first ever Weird Al Record Store Day exclusive! I cannot wait, Dave. It's a limited edition of 1,500, and it's a three-inch vinyl single of Weird Al and Osaka Popstar's cover of the Ramones classic Beat on the Brat, and it will go on sale Saturday in participating indie record stores. So to find your nearest indie record store that's participating, head over to recordstoreday.com. You know how excited I am that Beat on the Brat is the single that is going to be released because that is by far my favorite Weird Al cover song ever. I absolutely love Beat on the Brat. It may be one of my favorite Weird Al songs ever. Wow, that that is a very, very high honor to call it one of your favorites. Now, the Beat on the Brat recording on the 3-inch vinyl single, it's the same recording that has appeared a couple times before. So it first appeared on Weird Al's Medium Rarities as part of Squeeze Box, the complete works of Weird Al Yankovic, as well as on Dr. Demento's Covered in Punk album. So it's the same one, but we've never seen this format for a Weird Al collectible before. Ethan and I, we are so thrilled to be sent early copies of the three-inch single ahead of the release date. And we are excited to tell you all about them. But first of all, from all of us here at David Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast, we want to thank John Caffiero from Demented Punk Records for sending them to us, as well as making this incredible Weird Al release a reality. It is so cool. Okay, so I have mine in front of me, and I carefully opened it. And first of all, you know, when you see it, it's just a lot smaller than I pictured i'm just so used to seeing you know like the 45s and i know 45 is is much bigger than three inch but that's just what i pictured in my head and when i see it it's it's so much smaller than i thought uh and it just adds to the novelty of it all so it's like really beautifully printed it's this nice glossy cardboard 
and on the back there's a sticker that says Weird Al Kabonkovic. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a paper sticker, so it's a little difficult to peel up without ripping or, or damaging anything, which of course as as a collector I had to be very careful and I got out, you know, my scalpel and my forceps <laughs> and retractors and all that. Um, but I, I was able to do it and then I put like a um I got like a plastic backing from a piece of junk mail, like one of those windows, and that's how I sealed the sticky part. <laughs> So, uh, so when you open it up, it's got a a very small plastic sleeve, and that comes with a fold out poster, a little insert with the credits on it, and also the the vinyl in its own full color sleeve. They did such a beautiful job with all the artwork on this. Oh yeah, the artwork is is incredible. The whole thing is incredible. It's just it's. Like you said, it's it is tiny, but I mean, it. I kind of compared it to those three inch CDs that were put out way back in the eighties, right? So I kind of was expecting it to be small, but you're right. You know, when you're used to you know getting vinyl, you expect a big twelve inch, you know, vinyl <laughs> LP, or you know, like the little forty five to seven inch. <laughs> singles but yeah this is three inch so this is less than half the size of one of those seven inch singles it doesn't seem real you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm just wondering though how do you even play a three inch vinyl single (laughs) well you have to have a very special turntable to do it and they're like 60 or 70 bucks they're exclusively made by uh, crosley and record store day and you can get them on the Record Store Day website. I believe they're going to be for sale in participating record stores. And you can get them on Amazon. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm still on the fence about whether I want to get one or not. But I think it would be really cool to get to play it. But like we mentioned, like we do already own this exact song <laughs> so many different ways between the two of us. Yeah, I'm thinking about maybe getting one of those mini turntables, too, just for the novelty of being able to play the first ever Weird Al 3-inch vinyl single. (laughs) This is an actual piece of plastic vinyl. It is etched the same way, you know, on the the rim like you'd see on a real full-size vinyl. It's got the paper label. It's got the grooves. It's so cool. It's got its own little inner sleeve that it goes in. And I already mentioned the the credits, which has, you know, a lot of information about produced and arranged by John Caffiero and the people who played on it and talking about the Ramones. And then this fold-out poster is just so cool. And I didn't measure it, but it is, it's square, just like the, the release. And it's two squares by four squares. So I don't know if that's six by 12. <laughs> I haven't actually measured it, but I'm guessing it's six by 12. And it has the cover art of Weird Al beating up the child (laughs) with a baseball bat. And then it has the Demented Punk logo. And then on the backside, it's got a great cover art of the Dr. Demento covered in punk with a, you know, great ad and number one Billboard comedy album, all this stuff. So it is just like, it's so much value for just what I just, I, I didn't know what to expect when I heard we were getting this thing. It's just like, you know, it, it seems like it's it's just such an amazing thing really meant for people like us, Dave, who are just collectors and we appreciate weird media and, 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 and just these really bizarre, weird out related things. I feel like they made it just for us. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, they definitely had collectors in mind when they made this because this is an amazing piece. Absolutely. And I know all of our listeners are going to line up at their local record store, recordstoreday.com, to find out all the locations and are going to be chomping at the bit just to get this incredible release. Uh, It's going to be so exciting. And we did post a bunch of pictures over in our Facebook group, group.2000inch.com. So if you head over there, I think there's like 15 or so photos. It shows everything you get, each side, the poster folded out, the process of, of opening it up. And I even posted a picture of it with a quarter next to the vinyl so you can see exactly how big <laughs> this thing is. <laughs> a USA quarter, it's not a Canadian quarter, unfortunately. <laughs> So definitely head on over to group.2000inch.com so you can see those amazing photos. And if you yourself are lucky enough to snag a copy on Saturday, we definitely want to hear all about it. We want to hear the story about how that one nostrilled man stole the last one in stock from you, but you fought your way through and you you grabbed it out of him and you got that last copy. Post the pictures of you holding your three-inch vinyl single over at group.2000inch.com and give us a call, 347-SPATULA, the official Dave Nathan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast spatula hotline, while you're waiting in line ready to buy that three-inch vinyl single. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to see all those pictures and hear all those stories. I know it's just going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just excited to also head to a record store and just see what kind of Weird Al other stuff they have. You know, it's always fun tracking down old 45s or old LPs. You know, all all of them are so cool. So I I can't wait. But Dave, before we get to any more news, I, I just I think I'm too hungry to proceed Well, lucky for you, I know this great vegan burrito restaurant in Troy, New York. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound, double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquare.com or wizardburger.com and order ahead. Dave, now I'm just even more hungry. You just, oh, <laughs> that didn't help at all. <laughs> well, we've still got a bunch of news to get through, so you're just going to have to wait for your vegan burrito burrito or your wizard burger till after <laughs> the podcast is over. Okay. All right, now, Weird Al appeared on episode 134 of the Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast this week. We, of course, know that Weird Al has regularly appeared as a guest on Conan's late night show over the years, most recently visiting the show at the end of 2019. Now, when Conan posted about this episode on Twitter, he said, I'm so glad that Weird Al decided not to become an architect. To which Weird Al replied, me too. To which then Dave and I replied, agreed, our podcast would be super boring. To which I say, not quite super boring, just different. (laughs) As you may have heard, Disney is releasing a film built around their Jungle Cruise ride called Jungle Cruise, and it's coming out on July 28th, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt. Any movie with a rock in it is absolutely amazing, but if you were to ask us, This is pretty suspect. 
Now, the Jungle Cruise ride, that was largely this unknown ride that was rarely spoken about before Weird Al released his song Skipper Dan about that ride way back on July 14th, 2009, exactly 12 years ago today. And if that doesn't convince you that this is no coincidence, let me tell you this. Ah, yes, the smoking gun. And what is the name of the character Dwayne The Rock Johnson plays in Jungle Cruise? Well, Ethan, what is that character's name? The Rock plays the character Frank. That's it. Case closed. Dave, I'm getting so excited for this weekend. I can't wait to buy the Weird Al-related item for my collection. Oh, you mean the three-inch beat on the Brat single? I cannot wait to get that either. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. But actually, I meant the book that mentions Weird Al. You know, The Ruins of Our Past by Sebastian Shepard. Wait, I'm pretty sure you already have the physical version, the audio version, and the digital Kindle version. Well, yeah, but you can never have too many. Well, you're absolutely right. When it comes to your Weird Al collection, it's just like potato chips. Bet you can't just eat one. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't exactly make a habit out of eating items in my Weird Al collection, Dave. Yeah, that's what fresh donuts are for. Visit wolfandwool.com to stock up on copies of The Ruins of Our Past and Fresh Donuts today. Oh, and we didn't say David Grant yet in this ad, so David Grant. All right, let's get to this week's interview. The conclusion of our conversation with Kevin Yeager, the special effects legend behind Weird Al's iconic fat costume. I want to go back to a couple of things you said. I was going to ask you if you knew where the fat suit was, and it sounds like you actually do know where that fat suit is. I I have it. It's on on my wall, yeah. I mean, they made another one for the... I was going to say for the the, uh, uh, touring, because I think it's, it's even more lightweight... This one's, you know, it was done quickly and you don't, you, you try to make it as lightweight as possible, but at the same time, you're really looking at it to move perfect. So, you know, the lentil beans and the other things do have, add some weight to it. You know, just so that you have that jiggle. Uh, I think for the tour, it's, you know, I don't think it's airbags, you know, but it could be. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I didn't build it for them, the suit itself for the tours, but I know it's made of much lighter stuff. And he's got to literally jump into that. I was going to talk about the tours, and, and then he's going to throw this. It's a latex. The, the, the piece itself, it's the style of that piece, we call it a horseshoe because it's, it wraps from temple to temple underneath the chin and to the side of his nose. So, so if you held it up, it would, it would be everything you know, of, you know, of his face except for his forehead, his eyes, his nose, his upper lip, and his lower lip. You know, and that, that's his real mustache and his real hair that we use, and his real eyebrows and eyelashes, all this stuff. Oh. So he's, his, his face is like covered from cheek to cheek, chin, uh, and then some of his neck, you know, uh, the, 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 you know the, the jowls or whatever go under the neck, um, and the rest is all, you know, Al. Um, but So I basically took that same mold, and I was able to do a thin layer of latex in there. I had to add a little extra padding to keep the latex from, because it's like a latex Halloween mask in a sense. Hmm. And to keep it from collapsing and keep it full, I would put a little upholstery foam. These are for the ones for the tour. And I made, you know, I think three of them, you know, originally for him for the tour. And he would bring those back year after year. And, you know, they'd be torn or they'd, or they're, even when, at one point the rubber would rot. And I said, well, let me just see what I can do with them. So I just repair them and bring them back to, I was able to bring them back. And I think those lasted, gosh, 15 years. And then finally he said, you know, they're, I can send it to you, but it's, it's sticking to itself. It's like, 
gummy latex. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, and foam latex really rots. Yeah, it, it, it just becomes either crispy or it, it goes like a like a wet gummy bear, and it just kind of gets really goopy. And <laughs> so I finally I finally made a couple of new ones for them. I don't think I've ever charged them for them either. Um, oh, I wow, just, I don't know. They're they're easy for me. I kind of do them on my own time, and I just. I just got out of this dude. I'll just another one. So, you know, we were friends, you know, we've been friends for years. So, How cool. so I just kind of do that for him. But, um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, because the look is so iconic with his old glasses on, even though he doesn't need them, he got a pair of his glasses. He popped his prescription lenses out and put just clear glass lenses in with no prescription. And then, and, and then I attached those, I sewed those to the mask. So when he puts the mask on and then, and also the, Glasses help hide that edge around the nose, and again, he's on stage, so no one's really super close to see right. if you know it's perfectly blended in. And it's just a slip-on mask with an elastic strap. So he puts this thing on. There's two elastic straps uh, that go. I think they it either hides in his hair, or I think he may wear he may wear yeah he wears a wig because his hair has changed. I think. And then the glasses are attached to the to the actual mask, and he slips this whole thing on. He must be get must be able to get into it, and I would think five minutes or less, the whole suit top to bottom. Wow. That's just a, like a quick a quick change kind of thing, and you know, from twenty feet away, and most people are much further away in a concert. They have no idea. It just looks like how did he get in that suit? Yeah, you know, and even even close ups in the camera, I guess, work pretty well. So, and he's been doing that for years. I don't know the last time he toured. I want to say it's like two or three years ago. Maybe it was longer. I don't know. You probably but uh, what, 20, I know he had that twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen, probably. Yeah, that sounds right. That's, I think that's yeah. the last time he came by here. Uh, to pick up the mask, so I, I'm waiting for him to give me another call. He probably want you know be going out soon yeah. <laughs> again. I guess I don't know. He, he had another album that came out. I think didn't he? Um, Not yet. He's always got something. Yeah. That, that, that one, um, that Paradise one off of that that song Paradise. That one song. It's so great that you know, how he comes up with these things. I mean, I know they're parodies. He's got the, the music already, but the, he's just the, the you know the, the words are just hilarious. I remember yeah. when I saw you eat it, I was just laughing my, my butt off. <laughs> the first time I saw that, you know, and it makes you, and what's so great about all these things, again, and we've talked about this, he just gets, you know, a new generation, you know, you get that generation of kids and they're usually what, you know, anywhere from, I guess I want to say six, seven, eight to 12, you know, at least maybe on beyond right. that. And then they grow up and they, they grow out of, you know, that sort of parody kind of humor that, you know, that, that zany humor. And then you just wait. Just give it a little time, and, you know, five more songs and Nirvana comes up with songs and he comes into, you know, Team Spirit his song comes up and he does a whole new thing. And then did he do one with, uh, God, he did one with a bunch of people, like a lot of, a lot of rappers, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Like, so he, and he, he's just, over the years, he's just gone from disco to all the way to, you know, R&B, rap, everything, you know, and he just gets another group of fans. And they, and so, I, I mean, I think he's isn't he the number one like comedy album like he's he's gotten so many yeah. you know Grammy awards from all this stuff and he oh, just yeah. keeps, he never he doesn't age I mean he seems the same you know I, I don't know how his physically how he can jump around the fat suit <laughs> you know as much as he did maybe twenty years ago but you know he doesn't seem to age and and he's look he looks great and he and he's doing well and again you know you just you just when you wait for the and it's so to that generation it's whatever song is popular to them. So it's almost like a, it's a perfect career, in my opinion, as far as longevity, because it never goes out of style. I mean, you every every kid likes to laugh, and then you're laughing at a song that they hear on the radio all the time, and it just goes from generation to generation. 
and it's a cash cow. I mean, it just keeps making money. His career is insane, you know? And, and, uh, anyway, I know he lives, uh, here in town, but I think he also, doesn't he also have a place in Hawaii? I know he's always sending me things from Hawaii. So yeah. sometimes his, his Christmas cards come from Hawaii. But, uh, yeah, so, so that was, you know, that was the last thing, you know, besides these, these conscious things, this was the last thing I did with Al, but, um, uh, you know, he's just been nice to know. And, you know, I've never, I still yet to see him in concert. I'd like to go and see him in concert sometime. Oh, you have I'm to. waiting for some free tickets. Yeah. I'm waiting for some free tickets, <laughs> Al, if you're listening. Uh, but uh, he sent me, he sends, he sends me uh, DVDs and stuff like that. Sometimes he does a compilation of his videos and he'll send me, send me those and stuff oh, like so that. Oh, cool. You know, I'm this. Yeah. And, but he is just the sweetest guy Everyone to meet. I was curious because a few years ago, Funko came out with a Weird Al fat uh, Funko figure, pop figure. I was wondering if you had one of those. No, I don't. But if Al wants to send me one, <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> or if you guys have one, no. No, I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I've got a lot of other things. You know, I did. I did. I wrote Sleepy Hollow, the Johnny Depp movie. I got to do all the head cutoffs, you know, and I was going to direct that for a while. So it was like a big thing. I got all the toys and model kits from, from that. And oh, cool. Certainly some Chucky stuff. And, you know, so it's funny because I did, you know, did all these, these horror icons. And so, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of merchandise that had been made from that, but I'd like to have that in my collection. Yeah. It's so Maybe cool. Maybe I can get one of those. Yeah. Flip around. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, all his videos are funny, but I think it's what makes fat stand out the most, or, or, or at least is one of the top ones is, is, you know, it's not only the Weird Al Yankovic zany humor, but it's this—it's such a visual thing. Yeah, you know, just to yeah. see him, and he's not just big; he's huge. He's ginormously <laughs> huge. Right. So, you know, he's a—he's a cartoon. I mean, he, everything about him he does is cartoonish. That's what he loves. It's that zany kind of stuff. But um, so it's just a visual thing, and I don't know. If, you know, I don't know all of his of his videos, but uh, I think this is certainly one that you know, and it made a big impression. It got a lot of attention. Oh yeah, at the time. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. I think that that's why people just remember it so iconic. You know, but uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I would love to see. You know, if he ever needs to do this again, he's probably too old to get. You know, to do something this elaborate again, but uh, maybe not. Who knows? You mentioned that you built the the fat suit in about four weeks or so or you had met al yeah. about four weeks before he needed it uh what kind of preparation are you are you doing there are you taking measurements of al or you know to to build that suit are you that's a good question because um, we do have to you know in a, in a film situation you'll take measurements you'll take measurements but you'll also usually do a body cast like you know on his in his movie I couldn't do that muscle suit, you know, that uh, uh, the VHF uh, F movie that he did, or U, U, UHF movie, right? Right, right, the Rambo um, scene. Yeah, UHF. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that movie, and he called me about doing that, and I was, I can't remember, probably doing another Child's Play film, I can't remember what I was into, maybe that was the time that I had those five films or something, I can't, but I couldn't do it, I remember it was super busy, and I felt bad. Um, so I recommended the guys who used to work for me, uh, a guy named Howard Berger, who had a company called KB and they, they would do the Orville. Now they do the walking dead oh, wow. series. They, you know, they're, wow. yeah, they're super busy now, but, um, and they had just started their company K and B. And so I recommended them to do that muscle suit. Uh, you know, but and I know they did a body cast for that. Cause you have to, it has to be, I did body casts on Keanu and, and Alex for, for taste the music. So you have to have, it has to be perfectly fit. You know, it has, so you have to have an impression 
you know, a positive of their a replica of their body. But it, it, with a fat suit, since there's some give and take, um, we were able to work off of, a, a, you know, basically a mannequin form, you know, or I, I think a, a, you know, polyfoam form I already had, but we made adjustments with Al's measurements. So we took, you know, accurate measurements all around his wrists, his, you know, you know, from his el- you know, elbow to, you know, his neck, you know, elbow to the wrist and all that kind of stuff. And then we took hand impressions. So I you dip the actor's hand in alginate is the stuff that we used to use that now we use silicone, but it was stuff that you have, if, you know, if you're old school, you used to have your teeth for, you know, dental, for, for a retainer or whatever, you'd have your teeth cast with alginate. And it's a, okay. it's a seaweed product that, and it's mixed with water. It's a powdered water. It's very, very, very healthy, meaning, you know, it's, it's all organic. And uh, you'd, so you put that on their face. If you're going to take their face impression, which we did at Al, we took his head, head and shoulders. And then um, we also took his hand cast with alginate. And then, but the problem is it's made of, of water, so it, it begins to kind of shrink immediately, so you have to pour it up right away. And you'd usually pour, uh, you know, of cement stone copies out of that, like a plaster, plaster of Paris kind of thing, and then you'd pull those out, clean those up, and then that's what you would use to sculpt your clay onto. And so you'd mold, you know, each finger, the fat look on the, the hands, you know, the palm and the back of the hand, all the way down to the elbow. So these, these things mm. slid on like gloves, they went from his fingertips all the way to basically the, the bend in his elbow. Um, and that's how we, and we'd sculpt on those and then we would mold those and make stone copies, but we'd have to have a seam, you know, have to do in perfect halves. So we'd have to do one half and then do the other half and then open them up, clean all the clay out and then put the mold back together with a spandex glove over the hand form of Al. And then we put that back, you know, we'd sandwich the two left and right negatives of the fat, uh, glove over the top of his thing, and we'd inject where the clay was. We would inject uh, foam latex, and if it didn't turn out, or you had a big bubble, you'd have to throw that one away and you know get a new glove. Mm. You know, and the, and the the spandex glove that was underneath there was for reinforcement because if you just went with foam latex with no reinforcement, if it tore, you couldn't. It was disastrous, and so uh, the spandex helped it from falling apart basically. And so each each glove had uh, each foam latex fat hand had a, a spandex glove, just like a dance skin that you would wear that went underneath um, the glove. And so that's how, the, and, the, and the face was made similarly. We'd make a head and, head and shoulders bust of Al, and then I sculpted the fat uh, in clay, the look over that in, in you know, uh, oil-based clay. And then we would mold that, you know, do the same kind of thing. We'd mold it all apart, clean all the clay away. Now we're back to just Al's positive, you know, a positive cast of his face. And then the negative would be of that, of the of the uh, fat makeup, hmm. and then we close it together and inject it with foam latex, and then we that's what we would apply. So you know there, there was basically one horseshoe piece for Al that was it for the head, and then the two hands. So it was simple. I you know that had to. Remember, I think Freddy Krueger was must, must have been like ten pieces, I think, and then I just did <laughs> old age makeups on Keanu and Alex for Face the Music because they go back in time, they see themselves in prison, like different scenarios. Right. <laughs> and what if, what if, what if we went, we went bad and ended up in prison? So we'd go back and see themselves in different scenarios. And one time they're muscular and, and in great shape. Other times, you know, they're, they're 95 year old men. Uh, you know, so I just did those, and those appliances, the old age makeups for Alex and Keanu, I think there were 11 or 12, maybe 12 pieces. I can't, I know. I, I, I think it was 10 as well, but you have earlobes. You've got, again, a horseshoe neck, cheek, and chin piece, you've got an upper lip and nose piece, you've got a forehead piece, you've got, you know, um, back of the head piece, because, you know, with old people, they have very little hair, 
when you get to be line 95. So it was basically a whole ball cap thing. So they were covered all the way over. And sometimes it gets quite elaborate. But with Al, it was, it was you know, simple because it was a one-piece kind of thing that wrapped around him. And I, and I think the way the mold was made, it kind of flanged out because if, if you don't, um, if you break it into pieces, that's fine. But if you don't, it, it, the mold can lock on itself. So you have to kind of, if you can imagine, you have to take everything and kind of bend out the locking parts, like bend out the back of the neck. You have to kind of flare it out so that it can be pulled apart, basically. Mm. Now, that piece comes out kind of flared out the same way, but when you glue it down, you just wrap it back around the back of his neck. So, you know, it just kind of conforms back to where, where it should be, you know, around mm. the neck. So it was, we did it on purpose, you know, just so that we wouldn't have to do you know, maybe and then it turns into, you know, three hour makeup or whatever. We couldn't afford that. So, you know, we ended up, I think the first day, I think it was around two hours, you know, maybe two, maybe three again to get them in full costume. But by the time I got to the fourth day, they they'd probably cut that down by a third at least. But uh, yeah, so um, th- th- that's the things that we would do. But we the suit was just built basically on a generic form. And then we just took measurements to make adjustments. And he came over for, you know, a couple of fittings. Or we take the you know the suit to him in different stages to fit it on to make sure he can move in it and stuff like that. that was very important too that that all the you know the joints moved properly that they still looked like they they had some weight to them but they had to be lightweight enough he could move and then also you know they wouldn't tear or he you know if he had a problem he bent forward or something and he said I want to do this move where I need to flip myself or twist myself we would have to then cut and loosen up some pieces and maybe put a like an expandable piece in the back or whatever it was to get, to get some better movement for him. Mm-hmm. So he would, you know, you kind of go through the moves of what he wanted to do and let us know what the notes were, what any problems that we had, and then we'd make adjustments, you know? And again, this was kind of a, you know, when, on videos, you don't have movie budgets. You don't have, um, and sometimes on movie budgets, you don't have movie budgets on movies. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we were, you know, we, we had to do, pretty quickly, you know, and I had a great crew again, Camel and, and, you know, I had a bunch of guys back in the shop, you know, probably about, I don't know, at least three or four people back in the shop helping me, but I was also doing child's play. So, you know, it was just trying to, you know, and it, and it really worked out well. I mean, it was one of those things that you, you kind of, you know, you know, I don't know, you kind of grit your teeth and hope that, you know, you don't screw over either production, you know, and then, right, you know, right. you kind of, you know, you're, you know, wearing yourself a little thin, you know, going back and forth and doing that stuff. And, I never told anybody on the child's play film where I was going. I would just find, you know, it, it, okay, that's a break. Chucky, take five. And I would run down. So, or I, or I, I worked with, you know, with Jay on, on no kids bring, we had to bring Al in it anyway. Cause he was, Al's in every damn shot of that video. I mean, he's yeah. in almost every shot. So, so, you know, I, we had to start him early anyway. So that worked out great because we started him early. Then I, and I made sure I talked to Alan. Listen, I'm going to step away, but I got these two guys here. They're going to watch the makeup. They can do minor things. Anything happens. I'm literally like 300 yards away. And I'll, and I was, so I, and I would check in all the time at lunchtime. I was there, you know, I think the lunches ended up being different. So I was able to, you know, <laughs> grab a sandwich and run with my 300 yards. <laughs> I three football field, uh, stuffing a ham sandwich yeah. in my mouth, you know, and then get there and, you know, and, and touch him up or just check him. Sometimes they show up and everything was fine and, you know, they were on a, a break or something. So, you know, it was, it was not too hectic, but uh, it, it makes you scared, you know, because you're, you know, I, I don't know how I would have done it. I would have hired, had to hire somebody else to apply it. And that would, that would have uh, kind of bummed me out because, you know, I like to do everything myself, you know, and, and keep things, you know, I have turned things over and they've been perfectly fine in other people's hands. And I've also done the opposite where I turn it over 
you know, I've turned over makeups to Academy Award winners and they have turned out terrible. Mm. And sometimes, so mm. it's just, you don't know whether they're, I know one time, um, you know, I won't mention the film or the person, but I remember one time the person wasn't comfortable. I was using, it was first, I was first changing from foam latex into silicone and silicone was a new thing. And a lot of people did not feel comfortable. You know, they were so used to foam latex and, so uh, this person, you know, kind of couldn't handle the silicone and I had, you know, it, it just kind of became sort of problematic and you have to kind of work through those, those issues and stuff like that. So it's hard. I, I, I know I can, I can rely on myself. So I, I, if I can, like on, on, uh, I had some good uh, people, you know, Bill Corso on, on the, who was the makeup department head on Bill and Ted, who was also apply. He had, he would apply Alex makeup like I like did Keanu, Along with uh, uh, Steve Kelly, who was the Keanu Reeves, uh, uh, you know, personal makeup artist. So we kind of double teamed, you know, the guys and and got got the stuff done. But I had good guys on that. But you know, you can't rely on that. But I was also there. So if anything goes right. wrong, I can give tips or jump yeah. in on a makeup to to help it out. But with Al, I really wanted to be there every day, and so it really worked out. I was able to be there. And then I think at the end of the day, I think at, when we wrapped, I was, they would, they, you know, we probably wrapped earlier and I would go down and help remove the makeup, you know, and Al. So those were, there was like probably the three longest days of my, <laughs> of my, my career. But, wow. but it, you know, it's one of those things that in the end you look back and it's, and it just works out so well and it well received it all, all that pain goes away. And both you know, of like them. All, I mean, uh, yeah. Both projects. I mean, they, yeah, exactly. Right. They, 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 they turn out well. You know, you, you, you're hoping they do. They're hoping, you know, you don't get in trouble. You don't mess anybody's schedule up or whatever. You know, you keep quiet about some things. Some things you have to say, hey, I'm doing this other thing. But I, I try not to, you know, worry them. So I, if I could handle it, I could, you know, run down and step away for 10 minutes coming back. No one's going to miss me. But, you know, if I had to go across town, it would have been a disaster. So um, I'm so happy that, I mean, just just by luck, we ended up being in the same studio, which was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, you don't get it, and they and the both both projects turn out quite well, and and uh, they're you know they're memorable, you know, for me as well. They, right. they were both happy happy in the end, you know. So in the fat music video, there's a scene where Al goes from being the say normal size to growing really huge. Were you yeah. there for that effect? And can you tell yes, us how fact, that happened? That, 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 yeah, that's so funny. I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it. Um, yeah, that, that's crazy. Um, so what we did. Was we um, we shot that at my at my shop oh. months later, so we did. Yeah, oh. if you look at it, they're all it's all inserts. It's all just you know close up of maybe head and shoulders of Al with a piece of the set behind him or a gray wall. I can't remember. And you know it's where he goes. You know you ain't fat. You ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. You know, and then he starts to expand. And so it was a separate, a whole separate set of appliances as well. I totally forgot about this part. There was a transformation in it. You know, old school transformation, by the way, you know, it was a, <laughs> it was a practical, old school practical, they don't do that stuff, it's all CGI, of course, now, but, yeah, so we, we had to build very subtle appliances uh, that went over his cheeks, uh, and I think his neck, too, I'd have to look at the footage again, but, to remind myself, but, yeah, they, they were very, very thin, and then, so, again, they were made of foam latex, and they had to blend in to make it look like he didn't have anything on, or if anything, he, he was slightly you know, heavier, but we always try to make him invisible. So I made them super thin. And then underneath that, um, were these bladders, air bladders. And, uh, you know, these techniques have been used, you know, I think on altered states, uh, my mentor, old mentor, Dick Smith, 
use him when an, you know an arm on a you know, on a guy. On, I think it was a uh, was it John Hurt or, or no? Um, who's the other Hurt? The other Hurt guy, William Hurt. Um, but uh, Bill Hurt, yeah. And so his arm, I think he looks down and his arm is bubbling or something. So these these Dick had developed these bladders, this bladder effect uh, on films like that. So uh, we just did you know the same kind of thing. It was just the two cheek and neck. I think it was a full this uh, cheek and neck thing, but it was three bladders. So we had, you know, the two in the cheek and then one in the neck. And then he would, you know, turn and, you know, Al would widen his eyes, you know, as his eyes got wider, we would just pump air, you know, basically blow into these tubes and they would expand the face. So that, and that, so we just took it to, you know, from as flat as we could get it to as full as we could get it. And I think that last take, we really, we, we went for it. We, we popped the balloons. Basically, we popped the bladders <laughs> uh, wow. to see how fast, you know, how big we could get it. And I think that's the one that they ended up using. They they, they cut away. And then the hand, I, I believe that we put, I believe we put a, we didn't have as much time to do something on that too that would be convincing. So we put, I think, the glove hand on, the actual glove hand that we used, and then put a, put bladders underneath that. So even though it was already to the size it was going to be, we expanded that. We just gave it some life. I gave it air that blew up, you know, on the back of the hand or where I think it, my memory serves. It was the back of the hand and maybe the arm. So we expanded that. And all you saw was then, you know, this, the skin began to grow, even though the glove was actually the size that it was going to end up being. No one noticed it. They just saw movement. Yeah. You, know, you see the movement. <laughs> yeah. of the hand. And he kind of flexes his fingers back and forth, and you go, oh my gosh, the hand's getting fatter. And so that's, that was the whole, so it was just a two-cut thing. It was just the face and the hand. And we did that at my shop. I remember that, you know, you know we couldn't have it done, I think, at, at the time. Or they, they may have come up with that idea afterwards. I can't remember. But I think it was, early, it was discussed earlier that we would, we, that wouldn't be ready. And then we ended up doing it, like, I think a couple of months later. They just came over, brought a small camera crew. I had a big enough shop that we were able to, I had two sides of my shop being able to kind of make that a little, this, you know, little studio stage area. And they, they uh, put up a, you know, a flat in the back and then we just put a camera on them and shot those, those pieces and cut them in and they it's worked. Really well. Yeah. Really it's such a great, yeah. Uh, yeah. memorable part of the video. And I, I'm just watching it right now. Just kind of like the few seconds, I'm kind of, you know, on YouTube, you can kind of go frame by frame and it's just, it's perfect. Oh yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, again, this is what, what what year was that? Do you remember what year? I mean, we did it. I think it was it was eighty eight. I think it was eighty seven or eighty eight. Yeah, that's right. nineteen eighty eight. Yep, that's right. I think we shot in eighty eight. Yeah, I think it was the spring of uh, the spring of eighty eight or like February or something like that. But you know, and I was I'm looking at the makeup now. I picture the makeup now, and you know, you know, normally somebody has he's got a mustache, right? So he does have facial hair. But I wanted to put some a beard, like a beard, you know, gray, a little bit of a shadow on his face. But we discussed it, you know, and Michael Jackson, you know, was so pale. This is, I think, his, I want to say, from my memory, because I, I worked on Thriller and, uh, uh, you know, with Rick Baker, um, makeup artist who headed that whole shop. And Michael had had a, had had at least one nose job from the time he was a child. I think a couple by the time he had done Thriller. And then when he did Bad, he had gone through another transformation facially. And his nose got even smaller. It was kind of turned up for the first time. That was the first time we sort of saw this tiny little nose on him. And uh, but he was very, very pale, as you know. He was, in fact, I talked to the makeup artist on Thriller, and she said that if he, if she, his hands, you know, they didn't have time to always make up his hands. So she was trying to make him more. He liked to be lighter, lighter, lighter. And so 
she told me that if she changed a shade even slightly, Michael was so good at seeing that, you know, no, no, you're darkening me up again. Maybe, you know, so he would yeah, have her, you know, lighten him up. So by the time he gets to bed, he was even paler. And if you follow, you know, the look of how he, he goes from, you know, thriller, thriller to bad, you can see it quite easily. And his lips were, you know, redder, you know, and so we wanted to, you know, mimic that thing, the same thing. So, it's one. It's an element that kind of takes away a little bit of the real, realism to me. If, if you know Al's face didn't have a shadow to it, because he does have a mustache again, but he doesn't have any kind of beard stubble at all or any kind of beard shadowing at all. Uh, but it, it, it was it was by choice because of you know because Michael was so pale, he was trying to sort of mimic that same pale look. It, it looks fine. No one notices. It just yeah. it's something a makeup artist would notice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it, was, it was fun. And and I got to tell you, he and Jay were. They would go shoot a shot, and then they'd run over to the to the you know Al would run over to the monitor and, and watch playback, and and but they would also look at I don't know if they were seeing I guess they wish they could see at those times we had playback. I think this is like this is like post you know video stuff that we had back then, but they they were watching the they were watching uh, either on a movie or I can't remember, but they were watching all the footage of no it must have been on tape. Uh, all the footage uh, that Michael had shot. So they matched shot for shot, you know, angle, everything. I mean, Al did different things than Michael did, obviously, holding up a sign, you know. Right. <laughs> he was going, woo, woo. <laughs> you know, that, that last one was a sign. They would do things, and, you know, or, or, you know, but they were matching, tearing posters off the wall. They were everything, every move that Michael did, they had to make sure that, that Al's leg flipped up the same way or he turned, the, you know, the, with the same quickness. Or everything because they really wanted to make it look exactly like you know, like bad. So and I think they it was pretty that was became painstaking, but they were perfectionists that way. So it, it really worked out great, you know. And I think it makes it for a better because it's when you make it as close to the actual one, you, it, people get a bigger kick out of it. Yeah, and they're just laughing when they see something <laughs> yeah. close, but it's got a lot of humor with it too. <laughs> now you mentioned that the fat suit and the the face are literally hanging in your shop. Did you, did you keep any other parts from working on that I, I know you've done so many things and it's hard to keep everything but well you know it's kind of all together i i have well the you know the i think the foam latex uh the, the foam latex i think the head that's up on the wall isn't i think it's a urethane head i, th- I have a i think i don't think it's a foam latex head that's glued onto a, a polyfoam head normally i do that I, I take a copy of the foam latex appliance and i'll glue it onto a head of a valve I think it that maybe if I made a replica or something, but it may be actually a foam latex thing. I'm just if you touch it, it may fall apart. I don't know. It's been on the wall for a while, but um, <laughs> it, it was, I just blow on it, it would just blow away. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, and then I think the hands all rotted away, so I know those are urethane. And basically, you just take the mold and you pour in polyurethane, uh, skinning polyurethane foam, and it skins itself, and then you kind of seam it when you take it out, and then you paint it up the same way and you can put wire in the fingers and make it, you know, bend them into positions like that you like and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know that, and I had to then sculpt up open eyes because when you take a life cast of an actor, his eyes are, or her eyes are usually, you know, closed, you know, and so I had to like re-sculpt the, the head, you know, with, with eyes open mm-hmm. and then put fake eyes in there. So he's got fake eyes, fake teeth, I think, fake eyes, fake teeth, um, and uh, you know, I had a you know wig and all that stuff like that. So, but it is the original fat suit. Yeah, um, that's actually the, the one that he wore. The boots, I think, I did not have for some reason. I don't. I think actually maybe the boots came from somebody else. But 
I don't like, for some reason didn't have the boots you know that he wore, but I had that that's the suit. So I had to make my own boots for that display. <laughs> and again, I made urethane copies that they wow. had. And, uh, and you know, I had to make, I had to find glasses that matched Al's, and they had to you know find a wig and stuff like that. And I do do a lot that a lot of that stuff for display anyway, because the foam again the foam latex rots and the latex will rot away. So I had to go back and urethane lasts forever. You know, for some reason it's like you know you pick it up a hundred years from now and it'll still be fine. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I, that's all I have is from the, from the fat thing is the, is the actual fat suit. But uh, the things did come out of the molds. Everything that's on there is, is actually came right out directly out of the molds. I don't have anything from the cabbage thing because, again, I have a Stan Winston's job, so I don't have anything left over from that. Uh, but I wonder how much that suit would be worth. Who knows? Jeez. I mean, you're talking to the two people <laughs> who would want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'll send you a picture of it because it's, uh, 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 you know, it's fun. To, it's fun to look at. Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. I mean, for Ethan and myself, that suit is priceless. It, it absolutely oh, is. Yeah. So yeah. It's a holy grail of Weird Al collectors. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hanging up on off of wires. Um, did you ever see the movie Dune? Remember there was, and here, here, yeah. you guys are, there's this old, I think Kyle McLaughlin was in this movie, or McLaughlin, whatever his name, and he, uh, anyway, there's a character in it that was sort of a, this big heavy guy with boils all over his face, and he was floating, right. he was like a floating guy, that's kind of what Al's fat suit looks like, it's, <laughs> it's hanging on, it's hanging on like, you know, stainless steel cable, you know, probably 12 feet in the air, you know, just hanging over a door, wow. you know, so, um, yeah. So it's kind of, people don't notice it. They come in and I have to kind of point it out. I said, do you remember, you know, if I usually it's like they ask people if they remember fat because a lot of, you know, young people come in here, they don't know it. But um, that's when, you know, you're getting old when you say, hey, look at this. And they go, what's that from? You, really? You don't know <laughs> where Al Yankovic? Oh, yeah, I know Will Al Yankovic, but I don't remember that. You know, again, he's popular with, with generation after generation, but, but uh, people don't remember his old videos. I wonder if uh, the young people go back and, and the beauty is, like, if you're a young 12-year-old, will you go back and, I guess nowadays you can look up anything online, so they probably go back and look him up and look at all this stuff he did 30 years ago, which is crazy. And he's going to have the, long, the longest career in history by the time he gets done. Do you know if he has anything going on right now? Do you guys, you guys does he have anything coming up? Yeah, we're looking forward to hopefully a tour for 2022. There was one. Yeah, that's what I thought. There was one slated for 2021, but obviously that got postponed, yeah. so. Yeah, we're just waiting for an announcement. We're hoping, we're always hoping for new stuff. So, you know, he's he's been putting out, you know, some collaboration stuff. If he's, is he working on a? Is he working on a new song? Or I haven't talked to him in a, probably a year and a half. Oh, actually, I did talk to him. Uh, from there, there's something about Instagram about a couple months ago. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I just I, I just text him, you know, and then text him or email him and, and ask him something about Instagram thing. <laughs> got a picture, maybe he was asking me about it. I can't remember, but uh, that's awesome. Anyway, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, I mean, again, he can he can keep it going as long as he decides he wants to. It's like you know, I mean, yeah. it's like that's what's so great. I mean, you all you need to do is just, I mean, you just decide to have an idea or that there's a new song out and I want to do a parody on it, and your goal. You know, I mean, it's like what a great career. I mean, I've, I've got to go work for my jobs. You know, I got to <laughs> hope that some. Somebody that you know, remembers me will, will hire me, you know, from, you know, a lot of times as you get older, you notice, you know, people die, you know, producers who hire you die. And, you know, as we do in life and, and, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they'll move away. Uh, big producer that I worked with all the time ended up doing the Lord of the Rings movies and he ended up going down to New Zealand and he stayed there. So 
So he does, he works out of there. So it's too far away for me to, to help him, hmm. you know, and, uh, other people like John Wu, I did a lot of, a lot of jobs with, and he's now gone, you know, back to Hong Kong, China and, and you know, all that stuff. So, you know, it's it, over time it happens, you know, but you know, and you have to kind of start reinventing yourself, you know, like get out there, you know, compete with the young folk, but Al's got this, such a great, and it's such a great thing because it's creative. It's, it's kid-like, you know, you never have to grow up. You know, you can always stay in this wonderful state of humor and laughter. That's why I think he's such a, just a nice person. I'm, I'm sure he's had his, you know, I'm sure with his parents dying and that was horrible and other things that, you know, that, that, you know, he's had to deal with life, but, you know, to be able to do something that you love to do, and which I do, I just love to do more of it, you know, you know, um, to do it and to be able to kind of pick and choose what you want to do and when you want to do it. It's just a great, great thing, you know, and it doesn't come with, especially with creative people, you know, a lot of times you do have to wait till something, you know, comes along or, you know, that you're, uh, you know, you can't always pick what you want to do. You know, I, I kind of got pigeonholed as, as, you know, when I did Chucky as the doll guy. So I got all the toys that came to life, all that kind of stuff. And then I did, a bunch right. of bodies, I bodies on Starship Troopers and Wind Talkers, and I've got seventy five bodies hanging like basically up in a morgue, you know, in my <laughs> my studio, and you know, and then and then you become like the body guy. That's it. You're the body guy. You're the body replica guy, you know. And then you want to do things like cre- creatures, or you want to do, you know, Rick Baker, you know, again who did Thriller, you know, was famous for doing gorilla gorilla suits. Now they're doing everything CGI, of course, but. You know, he was the gorilla guy, so he was. That was it. You know, he, you know, and he got all those jobs, and so I've always wanted to do a gorilla suit, but you know, you just don't have the opportunity. And you've got Rick Baker doing him in town. Everybody wants to have Rick do it, and you get pigeonholed, and so that's what you end up doing in your career. But with Al, you know, with every song presents a different, you know, a different challenge. You know, it's not he's always going to do things with fat suits, or he's not always going to do rappers and different. So, but he's also you know he's musical, and he gets to so he's in he's in. The business he wants to be in, which is which is music. He's also, you know, comedian. So he gets to do these fun things and kind of can pick and choose. And it's a really, it's a sweet job that I wouldn't mind having. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it would be a, it would be a nice career in a second life to do to do what he is because you know, again, he's a really great performer, and he's he just looks like he has fun, you know, doing it. And and uh, what was that one that he did? The rap one that was with words and that came up was grammar was the grammar one you guys word crimes yes that was fantastic yeah. <laughs> uh, you know it was over at somebody's house and they said hey have you seen, seen this and it just came out it was whatever what was about i don't know i want to say it's like two or three years old at least and uh i just sat down and said no no it's al yankovic's new thing i was only gonna see this you know and i just remember just laughing my butt off you know <laughs> what what just what fun that is and how you know yeah he has to stick to you know, the genre or the, you know, whatever song it is, you know, to a point, but he can go off and do these fun, fun things yeah. and anything that comes to his head, you know, and that's, you know, like eat it or whatever, like, you know, stuff that he gets to, you know, play with words and then, you know, do funny little gags with it, you know, and uh, do them when he wants. I mean, I want to be Al Yankovic <laughs> in another life. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> yeah, we all do. But there can only be one. <laughs> yes, right. 
Absolutely. Yeah, Kevin, I got to ask you with with all these lifelike, incredibly lifelike, um, you know, body parts and and incredibly gory wounds and stuff that that you create. Have you ever, you know, been trying to transport these somewhere and just been stopped by like the police or something and then had to explain <laughs> your way out of a situation? No, no, but I've had friends who have. Had, yeah. Like coming back from makeup artist and I was coming back from set and she had a real bloody body in a clear bag so that the blood smeared all over the bag and it's in her back seat and she got it pulled over by a cop and as he walked up she just had to say please don't you know in the back there's a it's a movie prop you know do not you know panic and of course as soon as they know you're in the movies now they want you to can, can we can we look at it <laughs> can, right, we, right. can we take pictures with it stuff like that I have had police officers come to my place when I've had either break in or some problem, you know, um, and they, they come in and they, you know, they get a thrill by it. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I remember one night, one night I, I was broken into, you know, you know 20 years ago and uh, I ran over, I, you know, got the thing from my alarm company, ran over and I was the first one there after the, the, the robbers left. And, and so when I stepped into the thing, I looked around and I came out and there's a cop already pulled up. And he's got a gun pointed at me because he thinks that I'm the robber. Oh, wow. So I had to sit there and wait. Yeah, I had to wait for his backup to come. And so he, it's weird to have, you know, he's got his, his finger on the trigger pointing at your chest, Ugh. you know, and, you know, we're talking. And I'm just going, I said, it's really me. I can get my ID. He said, no, no, don't, don't, don't reach around. Don't do anything. Just talk with me. Uh, my partner will be here shortly. Just, you know, sorry about this. He said, I know you're, you're probably who you say you are, you know, and then after that, so, you know, and I, I thought about that later. I, I, did, I, I was fine during it, but I think it pissed my pants after yeah. <laughs> after the guy left because it was just kind of scary. But then they came in the shop, and, of course, they wanted to take, you know, they, we didn't have cell phones at that time, but, you know, they wish they had cameras to take pictures and stuff like that. So they really enjoy it. You know. But that's, you know, it, you know, there are some things. I get a little nervous, you know, if I have something. If it's a creature, it's obviously fake or something, or it's a, you know, toy-looking thing. But, you know, if you have a bloody body, that's, I mean, we I did a series uh Called Bones for Fox, yeah. you know, that we, we ended uh, right, in 2016. Yeah. And, you know, the guys would take the bodies back and forth and stuff like that. So I always said, be careful. Let's, you know, make sure we zip them up, you know, that we don't see like half of them sticking out. You know, you don't <laughs> want them, you know, hanging out at the, you know, the window of your car, you know, because you could do some damage. And there's a, <laughs> there was a, there was a Macaulay Culkin film I remember years ago, and they took a dummy, like a mannequin. There was a, they were, he was a kid then. The character took and his friend took a mannequin and threw it off a bridge onto a highway, and they called it Highway Man or something oh, like man. that. And it caused a tremendous Oof. amount of, like in the in the scene in the film, a tremendous amount of damage, you know, to cars and stuff like that. So there's right. things that you could do. You know, we we come up with ideas like that, so that wouldn't be funny if we did this. You know, of course, no one would ever do it. You know, it would be, it'd be you know to scare people. But a lot of people ask me, if, you know, in my studio because there's bodies everywhere and figures standing up. You know, do you ever get scared at night? And of course, you know they're all they're all rubber to me. It just looked like you know, in fact, I oh, yeah. walked by and think, why did I paint that better or something? But uh, <laughs> the only the only thing that scares me is when somebody moves something and I know I'm not aware of it. And even if I moved it myself, but I forgot that I moved it, <laughs> like I put big kind of creature, you know, outside my door, you know, recently, and you know, it took me about it takes me about a month to get used to it. So I opened it like, oh, because you just assume someone's standing there, and it you know it could be. You know, somebody somebody broke in or something. So that's the only thing that gets me is if you move a head or the, the head's about head level, you know, oh. or if there's a figure, even if you move it a couple of feet over to one side, 
you know, you think somebody's standing there. You don't think it's the monster. You know, I mean, people walk in the shop and they go, how can you even be in the same room with Chucky, you know, or whatever, because he's rubber and I built him, right, you know, right. it doesn't bother me. But if you take Chucky and you move him over to, you know, <laughs> to another thing, you know, something like that, it, can, it, start, it startles you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Wow. I tell people I don't get scared of my own stuff. I get scared of things like, you know, taxes right. and uh, mortgage, you know, stuff like that. Health, health sure. issues, you know, anything like that. COVID, I get scared of stuff like yeah. that. I don't get scared of right. Of my creatures. <laughs> oh, I gotta imagine Halloween at your place is a real blast. Oh yeah, we used to. My daughter's grown up now, but we used to have great, uh, you know, kid parties with her. You know, we used to used to uh, <laughs> every every year she had the best dues. It was the it was the party to go to. You know, until the until the boys got to a certain age where they started destroying stuff, and I said, "Okay, party's over." That was the end mm, of it. Yeah, <laughs> or, you know, something, you know, something kind of walks off. Some of one of the displays, you know, gets broken or. Or because uh, the kids are doing so, they just got a little too old, and you know you start realizing <laughs> that you know that they're getting too rambunctious, and the parties stop. But yeah, we had the best parties. That's so best cool. Best parties. <laughs> yeah, well, Kevin, this has just been absolutely incredible hearing about everything from fat to cabbage, and I mean, we didn't even really get to cover other aspects of your career. You're, you know, you you won an Emmy award. You've gotten all these other awards, yeah. all these other incredible things. So I really urge people to go over to your website to see some see some more information about you. See some really cool behind the scenes pictures and videos. It's kevinyeager.com. Yeah, you can see some Al Yankovic stuff too. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. That's at Kevin, kevinyeager.com, and then I, if you're on Instagram. It's uh, Jaeger, Y-A-G-H-E-R, and then the letters F-X. You can look me up there and then, you know, just go online and, you know, you, I have a YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff, and you can explore. That's all so awesome. Yeah, I mean, just looking at everything you've worked on, it's just... I would challenge anyone listening right now who hasn't seen at least a dozen things that you've worked on. It's just, it's absolutely incredible and, and such a cool career. And, and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Absolutely. I had a great time. Thank you. And love talking about Al. So that was a pleasure. Thank you so much to Kevin Yeager for being our guest this week and last week, and for all of the great fun and stories that he shared with us, be sure to check out his awesome, pretty stinking majestic website over at kevinyeager.com, and that's K-E-V-I-N-Y-A-G-H-E-R.com. We covered so much with Kevin regarding Weird Al's fat music video and the amazing stories Cabbage Man that we did not even get to ask him much about Chucky or Freddy or the Crypt Keeper, or any of his other iconic characters that he designed and worked on. I just cannot get over Kevin talking about filming Child's Play at the same time as the Fat Music video and running back and forth. <laughs> it just it's it sounded like a like a great sitcom, you know, just like like Mrs. Doubtfire, where you're like doing <laughs> right? two things at once. <laughs> and I love that Kevin shared with us the secrets of the fat costume, and there actually are lentils in the suit breasts <laughs> that make it realistic and jiggly. I had no idea. That is so amazing. <laughs> I definitely want to eat some like minestrone or whatever as whatever soup has lentils in it after you talk about that. <laughs> and honestly, the fact that 
Kevin has the fat suit still. Like, I just always assumed that, like, Al or Bermuda had it somewhere. But the fact that he has it, like, hanging from his ceiling is just insane (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to make a pilgrimage out there one day to see that suit. (laughs) So Kevin, of course, sent us some amazing behind-the-scenes photos of Cabbage Man, the fat suit. And we've already shared a couple, but we're going to make sure to post all the ones he sent us over in our Facebook group, group.2000inch.com. So head over there and give those a gander. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Joe and Yvonne from Waiting for Lunch Radio. Waiting for Lunch Radio is a freeform radio show inspired by mixtapes and zines, playing a wide range of crazy music and hot, fresh, demented ear food. Waiting for Lunch Radio is not available where you get your podcast because it's on Mixcloud. But don't worry, you can find it at waitingforlunch.com. So come on down to Waiting for Lunch Radio and Waiting for Lunch, your Waiting for Lunch Radio, or hop on over to waitingforlunch.com for a hot and loaded, wizardly, vegan, freeform radio zine. From Detroit to Jersey City to Europa, Waiting for Lunch Radio feeds your hungry ears with out-of-this-world real music, always freeform style. Leave a weird message at 313-883-9275 or order ahead at waitingforlunch.com. This week's episode is also brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also comfortable. Maybe you're wondering, when is the best time to go to Darwin, Minnesota? You know, personally, I've been thinking about maybe going to Darwin, Minnesota this coming December. (laughs) I wouldn't do that. December is not the best time to go to Darwin, Minnesota. Oh, I see. Uh, What about January? Weather-wise, January and December are the least comfortable months in Darwin, Minnesota. Oh, okay, Ethan. Well, then, when is the best time to go to Darwin, Minnesota? Well, the best time to go to Darwin, Minnesota is... Now! Right now! Go! Go! go. Now! Now! Right now! Okay, okay, um... Uh, Frank, can you fill in for me? I, I gotta go. All right. Uh, uh, bye, Ethan. I'll no, no, see you Dave. Next wait, week. wait. Not exactly now. I, I guess I, I got a little excited there. You can wait until after we finish recording the podcast. You know, when I head out to Wizard Burger and Burrito Burrito, you can go to Darwin, Minnesota. But w- what I meant is that this is the ideal season right now to go to Darwin, Minnesota. So July, June, August, those are the most pleasant months in Darwin. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And it makes a great summer family vacation as well. Or maybe even a great road trip. I don't know. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors Brito Brito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Grant at wolfandwool.com, and Joe and Yvonne from Waiting for Lunch Radio. And thanks to our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Zeb, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, Jake, Javier, and UH Jeff, and thanks to Spencer and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise over at shop.2000inch.com. 
Remember, right now, Patreon supporters can check out the first two episodes of the Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episode series, our special book series where we sit down with author John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, centimeter by centimeter through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Patreon supporters get to hear all bonus episodes early. Everyone else, stay tuned. Frank said he would post them outside of Patreon once he finishes going to every single record store in the world looking for the Beat on the Brat 3-inch vinyl single. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com where you can check out those amazing Beat on the Brat 3-inch vinyl single pictures as well as the pretty stinking majestic pictures that Kevin Yeager shared with us. And we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message on the show. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you all for subscribing and leaving those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Attic, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you once again to our guest, Kevin Yeager, and thank you to John Caffiero, Dr. Demento, and Demented Punk Records. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made our podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, and always remember to gill and chill. You know, as I reflect on Skipper Dan and its 12th anniversary, I realize that I have a lot in common with Skipper Dan. Oh, how so? Is it because you've devoted your life to Weird Al and despite your best efforts, you still ended up as an underappreciated podcast host? Oh, no, 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 not at all. It's just Dave... And Dan, we both have, like, two letters in common. Well, technically, Ethan and Dan also have two letters in common. Well, you know what that means. It's official. We are the Skippers. I'm in love with the Skipper. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 115-inch. And there it is, the backside of water. Becomes either crispy or wet gummy bear.